HotMovies.com has long been an ethical and affordable place to hashtag pay for some of your porn. Now with Hot Movies Select, customers gain access to unlimited viewings of tens of thousands of additional films from all their favorite studios for the low, low price of $24.95. Visit HotMovies.com, click Select Unlimited, and use promo code MANHORE at checkout so they know who sent you. The Manhor Podcast is sponsored by Alt Playground. APG is more than just a place to find couples to swap with. Alt Playground is a lifestyle community for all non-monogamous and sexually adventurous people to connect and share. And you know I started a profile. Join me over at altplayground.net. That's A-L-T playground.net. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. Shout out to the Zonas, the Shiksas, and the Yitzanits. This is Billy Presida, and you're listening to the Man Whore Podcast. Yeah, I don't really know what any of those terms mean, but... A friend of mine told me they were very empowering Hebrew words for woman. So I'm sure they're great. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. This week's episode, I mean, look, it's people like this. After I recorded this episode, I got back to my car and I just screamed, this is why I love my job, because I get to connect and chat with amazing people like this week's guest, Dr. Batsheva Marcus. Uh, who who was uh, one of my first in-person interviews since getting all vaxxed up and ready to go. Uh, this one, we're going to be talking a lot about religion and sexuality and shame. So like, you're not going to want to miss it. Uh, and we are also going to be talking a little bit about something that I over the years have called, or I'm sure other people have called it too, um, the kink loophole in religious dogma. You know the kink loophole. It's it's similar to the the anal loophole. Oh, well, if we can't have sex before marriage, what sex things can we do that aren't penis and vagina sex so we can pretend that Jesus or whomever our higher powers are still love us? Uh, you know, I don't know. It's it's always interesting talking to religion with me. I don't talk about my my religious beliefs very often. I was uh, I was you know, I was raised Catholic, but uh, I I wasn't raised uh Catholic with a bunch of shame like many Catholics do. I guess uh, my parents didn't do it right. Cause like my mom was a Jesus loves everybody Catholic. Like she was a Jesus loves everyone and the queers, you know, like she, she's what a, actually a, she's what a Christian was supposed to be. Like it was, I wasn't raised in this household where we talked about sex, but we also didn't bash it. We just kind of didn't talk about it. So like, I never got like really indoctrinated with this whole, like, oh, you can't have sex before marriage. My sisters weren't kind of. They weren't given that shit either, but it is incredible the lengths people will go when they have a belief and a faith in in a, an invisible person in the sky, the rules they will follow, and the how you will backbend and contort so you can still indulge in the thing you want while technically following the rules. When I was a little kid and I still believed in the God person thing, right? Um, I would, and this is like grade school. I if I gave somebody the finger, which you weren't supposed to do. Um, I would put my hand over my finger. Like I give the finger on my left and I take my right hand and I like would cover my hand so that God can't look down and see it. 
God. He is a, he's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's omnipotent. But he can't see through human skin. No, no, no. But, like, I sincerely believe that. But, yeah, you know, we get into a lot of that in this. Uh, it'll, it, it should be interesting. I don't think we talk about religion very much on this show. Uh, I'm not really big on mixing the whole religion and sex stuff very much. Folks, this Saturday, April 17th at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, I am going to be hosting a Man Whore Con info session. Yup, yup, yup. If you want to be the first one to know the dirty deets about when Man Whore Con is going to be, where it's going to be, how much is it going to run you, what can you expect, uh, and where you can ask all those questions about the things that you're nervous about. Is it a giant orgy weekend? No, not really, unless you make it one. Uh, Stuff like that. So uh, if you would like to catch that this Saturday, April 17th, 4 p.m., uh, if you are a Patreon member, turn your notifications on. If you are not a Patreon member, uh, shoot me an email, ASAP, at manwhorepod at gmail.com. If you do so, I will make sure you get an invite. Cool. Little, little life updates, folks. You know, I did I did the big move. That's good. I did my first stand-up show. Uh, that was that was fun, you know. Had a had a Hitler documentary joke that I was uh, just starting to work on when everything shut down, and uh, so it was, it was nice to open up that box again. Went to my first vaccinated play party. Oh my gosh! And folks, even at the orgy, you know what everyone was like talking about? COVID. People were barely fucking at the orgy. Everyone was instead talking about, you know, hey, which vaccines you get? Yes, even at the place where titties are just out and about, we're still asking each other. Can we just abandon? Can we not make this the post-core dating scene? Can we please never be asked on a Tinder date, hey, which vaccine did you get? It does not matter. No one cares. There's, if anything, should we not be leaving this time period where we're like, yo, our time up on this thing is not guaranteed. Why are we going to waste it with small talk bullshit? I don't care what vaccine you got. I want to learn what negative thing did you learn about yourself over the last 14 months? That's what I want to know. Give me some substance, baby. I don't got time or energy or care for the bullshit any longer. I'm not even talking about existentially like, hey, we all die someday. Like, we don't know if this will happen again. We all thought those like massive hurricanes and weather storm events were going to be like, you know, once in a century. And then we'd like get one or two of them every year. I hope that we don't ever have to do this lockdown shit again, but like it might become necessary to one day. So I don't know. I kind of want to squeeze enough uh, pleasure out of this life and, and not waste my time talking about the fucking weather. Cause it's like, Hey, we're at an orgy. Like let's make out. Anyways, before I get to this week's guest, Dr. Batsheva Marcus, let's do a real quick fan whore appreciation moment, okay, because yes, I appreciate not just my time on this on this earth, but I appreciate each and every one of you out there listening, uh, and I extra appreciate those of you who have uh, become a member of our fan whore community on Patreon, OMG, shout out to Rita Rautavirta, I do want to help people to check out uh, her Instagram page, uh, Good Sex Company. Some fun stuff, some fun content over there. I think y'all would dig it. And a big old thank you to someone who calls themselves Vin Sexy. Peep show. Yeah. Thanks for taking your dick out in the peep show. 
and you too can become a member for as little as $2. It only takes a couple of bucks to support a man whore with a heart of gold. Become a member today at patreon.com slash podcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash podcast. Oh my gosh, and now for this week's guest, Dr. Bacheva Marcus. I am not, I'm going to shut my fucking mouth. We're going to do two ad reads because like, it's it's a crime for me to delay you hearing her any longer. Oh, she's got a new book out. It's called Sex Points. Go get it. I got a link for you in the show notes so you can get it from a, from an, a more ethical place than the big old Amazon.com. But for now, Dr. Bacheva Marcus. Oh, I keep nailing that name. So you have no idea. I've got handprints on my back right now. Go me. <laughs> Let's get to the show. I see a post-vaccine era on the horizon, and altplayground.net is the lifestyle site you want to be on, folks. Okay, to to quote esteemed friend of the show, uh, Andrea Allen, Hey, APG, you're gonna be fucking and sucking and fingering and the squirting and dog collaring. (laughs) Yeah. And look, you're going to want to connect with like-minded sluts to do all those fun things. APG is filled with uh, not just Andrea Allen, but experienced lifestylers, uh, as well as serious newbies. You know, the, the cool thing about All Playground is, you know, when you put membership just behind some kind of paywall, it just immediately, like, improves the quality of a site. Because it really keeps out the riffraff and the flakes and the bots. You know you're dealing with people who have a real intention to meet up. When they're vaccinated, uh, which we all should be very soon. Uh, when you join altplayground.net, hey, you're going to find out that the members are not playing around. Hey, playing, get it? Alt Playground playing around? Murder me, please. Um, folks, prepare for your next non monogamous adventure today and come find me, yours truly, at altplayground.net. That's altplayground.net or nut. The Man Whore Podcast is sponsored by HotMovies.com. And look, I know you're watching porn. We're all watching the porn. And I just think we should all, um, you know, silence our phones when we record, you know, the podcast ad reads. You know, look, just the point is, now they've got a monthly uh, subscription service because they want to make it even more convenient for you. They could have kept just eating your money, be like, yeah, keep buying minutes, keep buying more minutes, keep using promo code manhorn to get more minutes. And they were like, you know what? I'm gonna we're gonna stop milking you. Just give us 25 bucks, give us 24.95. We'll even take a nickel off. Give us 24.95 a month. You get unlimited access, unlimited replays to nearly 200,000 movies. When you're done with all those. I'll talk to hot movies myself and we'll get you another 200,000 to have unlimited access to. It's crazy. Unlimited access to porn from like all your favorite porn studios, all your favorite porn categories, whether you're queer, gay porn, trans porn, straight porn, kink porn, they've got hashtag all the porn, hashtag pay for some of your porn. So head on over to hotmovies.com, click select unlimited and sign up today. Use promo code manwhore so they know who sent you. Now let's get to the show. But this is this is one of the ones where I'm like, oh, I get to shut up a lot because like I don't know a tenth of what you know. Okay. So I get to just like say hi, like I'm here with deep breath. 
Batsheva Marcus. Exactly. Fuck yeah. You got it perfectly. I've been practicing. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> I'm very impressed. Uh, my friend, my friend <laughs> is also very impressed. Uh, she's like, for a goy, you're pretty good at this. It's I'm true. <laughs> she's right. Oh, okay. wait till you hear the questions she has lined up okay, later because she has it. words in it. I, I don't even know what I'm going to oh, say. Oh, good. So we can joke around about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you, um, I've, I've known about you for like years. Are you recording? I am recording Okay, now. good. Yeah, I, very wanna, I have to be careful what I say now. Okay, good. No, I'm not, not at all. <laughs> it's like we spilled all the tea we needed exactly. to do before we did it. this we did came it. on. Yes, okay. You, and you even know what spilled tea is. Like, you're yes. very hip. Oh, thank you. You're My on the TikTok? would not agree, but yes. I was on TikTok. I got thrown off of TikTok. How'd you get thrown off of TikTok? Can you freaking believe that I got thrown off of TikTok? Of it was insane. I feel like TikTok has like the raunchiest stuff going on TikTok. And me, my little, like I'm so conservative, theoretically. You know what I mean? Like I talk about sex, but I do sex education. I talk about it really like respectfully, correctly. I got freaking tossed off of TikTok after three days. I think I said the word vagina. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, we still haven't quite figured out. So they s- sort of squirreled me back in under my- May's Women's Health, which is my center. So uh, you can see my TikToks there. And I think they bleep out some words vagina or penis. I don't know. Anyway, it's Meanwhile, crazy. pegging TikTok is just like full all, all over my feed. Oh my god! I don't know if you if you see those pop up, but there's like an entire sub community, and it's just like I, it's sort of legal on. Pe- they don't TikTok doesn't throw them out. I guess not. It's called hashtag peg talk. Really? <laughs> T O K. Oh my god! Maybe they should put me on that. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, if you want to talk more about pegging, like yeah, that, I, apparently that won't get taken down. That's so funny. <laughs> anyway, no, no, no. And and the truth is, Instagram seems way less concerned. And I'm always joking around that I'm Instagramma. Yeah. So I'm like, Instagramma got tossed off of TikTok finally. But whatever. Anyway, how did we we digress? We were talking about something. Oh else. no, yeah, no. I just okay. mentioned how hip and cool. Well, because oh, like you seem cool. you you seem very hip and cool on the internet. How about Clubhouse? I just found Clubhouse. Oh boy. Are you on Clubhouse? Oh, yeah, I'm on Clubhouse. Oh, okay, good. So. We should follow each other in Clubhouse. I just found it. I'm supposed to be doing a room there next week. I'll be I'll be sitting in on everything. Okay, You're about I'll to- be high. I'll be high there. On Cl- <laughs> I have to still decide if I like it. I'm just trying it. Would you like it? Uh, I like. I enjoy that. Like, I can go into a room and just listen, and it's like an impromptu podcast, or it's like a podcast I can go join, or if like enough people like me, I can be up there and. Hang out and chat mm-hmm. with my friends. There's a lot of comedians. I noticed a lot of comedians. A lot of comedians. There's even like a, a nice little sex worker community on really? there. Yeah, I haven't like- found it yet. All right. Well, once you friend me or whatever you do on a t- <laughs> on a Clubhouse, I'll find these sex workers. Okay. <laughs> but is, 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 is did you why why did you find that it was so important to like tap into social media doing what you do? It's a great question because I a year I sold a book. So basically, I a book my book came out last week called Sex Points. Reclaim Your Sex Life with the Revolutionary Multipoint System. And it's a book for women about their sex lives. And um, about a year and two months ago, it's like after I sold the book, my agent said to me, Batsheva, you have to get on social media. And I'm like, I can't get on social media. I'm too old and I, I barely get on Facebook. And she was like, no, you have to get on Instagram. So old decrepit me started on Instagram. But the truth is, I love it. I love it. It's a riot. Um, it's incredibly creative. And it's so much fun. And so so I do Instagram. I do Facebook. I have a, the Ultimate Sex Book Club, which I run on Facebook, which is for women and professionals. Maybe eventually we'll let men in. But for right now, people that identify as women. Um, a little bit on Twitter. And now I just found Clubhouse. So I'm just sort of trying to get the word out about my book and my center. So, yeah. Well, well, something that like even you asked, like, well, so what are we, you know, how do you find me or whatever? And I'm like, I've been kind of low key following you for years because um, I saw this New York Times article about you in 2015. And I just the concept of like religion 
spirituality and sex uh, fascinated me. And knowing that you were Orthodox Jewish or are, are um, it's okay. You could say that. Yeah. Yeah. Orthodox observant. Those are, you know, I, I'm not a big, I don't love labels, but for anybody else, they would say, yes, you're an Orthodox Jew. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Well, so you're so ortho- you can say Orthodox. Great. You're Orthodox. You're, you're Orthodox and you have, you know, clients who are also, also Orthodox Jewish. I think we have in society, like a, um, an idea of what that means in terms of what their sex life is. We start talking about the, the, the sheet and the whole, yes, the kind yes. of, Kind of like a horizontal glory hole in a yes, way. Yes, exactly, um, <laughs> exactly what that is. But it's a little bit mythological. Yeah. Well, and then we also have like you know everyone knows how like Catholics have like fucked up people's sex life. I mean, just yes. a lot. Of, religion just seems to be at the core of like so much that is wrong with people's sexualities. Right. Well, so it's such an interesting thing that you say that. I, I think about this a lot, Billy. I because. I'm not 100% convinced. I think there's a lot of shame. I think a lot of people grow up with religion, grow up with a lot of shame. Mm-hmm. But I can't tell you the number of people I talk to who grew up without religion who have tremendous amount of shame too. Mm. And it feels to me like somehow if you grew up religious, at least you have something to hang it on. Like, you know, you can blame it on the fact that you were grew up religious. Mm. Whereas my my clients or patients who grew up in secular homes who also are have huge amounts of shame, like it's not a religious thing. I I feel like it's almost it's almost sort of endemic in the in the air we breathe. It's so Victorian. The United States is just so Victorian. But don't you think like that stems back to religious? So, so that like the, may that yeah. may so right yes okay so that's an like your secular question. parents aren't going to put religious shame on you, but they're going to put their shame that they got yes. from their religion. So, no, I think that that is probably incredibly, incredibly insightful of you. Yes. So it's not direct result of religion oh, I'm gonna write that right down. now that's that you're incredibly insightful. insightful. Incredibly, you could say you got one incredibly <laughs> insightful today. But no, I think that's true. Like you're saying, and, and actually I never thought about it that way. It's not a direct result of your religious upbringing, but it's it's a it's a sort of a less direct result of somebody's religious upbringing. And, and how, do you, how do you combat against that? So... I feel like the only way to really go there's two there's sort of two pieces to 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 sort of undoing that level of shame and one of them is acknowledging it mm-hmm. like realizing and realizing that you have these levels of shame and the second thing is talking about it. I feel like talking about it the more you talk about it the more you destigmatize things. It, the funny thing about shame anything we're ashamed of is usually it's we're holding a secret of some sort and the mm-hmm. secret might just be I really like this fantasy and I'm embarrassed to say it. Or it could just be like, I really think I'm abnormal, which most of us also do about sex. Like everybody feels a little bit abnormal. But I feel like with any secrets, it's almost like, you know, the little kid who thinks there's a monster in the side of the room because there's this big like shadow. And it turns out when the light goes on, it's just like a hat, you know, a hat rack with like coats hanging from it. Mm. You know, it's like when you look at something, when you take something out of the darkness and look at it in the light of day, it doesn't feel very shameful anymore. It's not the scary monster you think it is. Exactly. So when somebody, you know, and I see this all the time with women, they'll come in with like things that, you know, you might listen and think, oh, I can't believe they were... I'll give you a, a, like a classic example. Women will come in and they'll be like hemming and hawing. They're having an orgasm problem. They're hemming and hawing and hawing and hemming. And I'm like, finally, I just want to put them out. You know, I'm asking questions. I'm try- I want to put them out of their misery. I'm like, are you trying to tell me that you have an orgasm on your stomach? That that's the only way you can orgasm is on your stomach? And they're like, oh my God. Like, how did you know that? Like, and I'm like, well, in my completely unscientific opinion and, you know, my surveys, probably 25 to 30% of women are in that situation. Why do you think that's abnormal, right? Like, why is that so shameful? And it's like, because every damn movie they have seen and every damn advertisement (laughs) they have seen have women 
having orgasms on their back. Do you know what I mean? So, or in the tub surrounded by flowers. Yeah, or on the tub surrounded by flowers. Okay, that is true. But that would still be on their back, right? Like not on their stomach. And I'm like, think about how a little kid learns how to have an orgasm. You Often it's by rubbing a stuffed animal or a blanket or it's so natural that it would be that you would learn on your stomach to have an orgasm on your stomach using your hands, you know, between your legs. And women find that like so like – that, so that, I'm just pulling that out as such a vanilla example of something that's so pedestrian and mainstream, and yet people are so ashamed of it. So, and I, there's case after case after case of that. So, this idea of shame that this is what I want, this is my, my fantasy is, this is, um, this is what turns me on. Like, it, as soon as you talk about it, my experience is as soon as you talk about it, and there's somebody there to be able to hold it and not be horrified and not be shocked, and and all of a sudden it, it's like the coat rack. It's like not that it's, it's not that scary and it's not that shameful, but we don't have places where people can talk about this stuff. Like they, there's some places where people can listen, like podcasts, but mm. I'm not sure we give a lot of places for people to talk about this stuff. Yeah, it's like we we should normalize talking with our friends about it and not as if it's totally. this like pervy secret sharing. We only do it two glasses of wine in time. Like why can't? Like how we masturbate be like a casual conversation right. with the appropriate friends. Correct. But still, right? Exactly. Like, exactly. I also wonder how much um, this obsession with being normal and being like everyone else that that plays into. Because let's say you share how you masturbate and it's not like how the other four people in the group masturbate. If you're still so concerned about being like everyone else. Well, it's still a 20%. percent mm. You know what I'm saying? Right? Okay. So that would mean maybe, maybe that's perfectly yeah. representative, right? Yeah. So – you know, yes. I mean, and then we get, you know, the number of women who come in who think that they are, there's something wrong with them because they're not having an orgasm from mm -hmm. intercourse, from a penis in the vagina. And like, we know that statistic is out there everywhere in Cosmo magazine every freaking month, like 30%, three out of 10 women can orgasm from a penis alone. Like, wh where are women getting this stupid idea? And yet, you know, I had a patient once come in. This is a great story. And she said, you know, she's having this orgasm problem. We start talking about it more. It turns out she just can't have orgasms from intercourse. And I'm like, sweetie, most women can't. Seven out of 10 women can't have an orgasm from intercourse. And she said, well, my boyfriend told me that all of his previous girlfriends could have an orgasm from intercourse. So I look at her and I'm like, well, there's a couple of possibilities here. Okay, <laughs> Either he had a completely skewed sample, possible, or he didn't really know. Or they were all faking it, right? So she said, well, I don't know if that's possible. Anyway, we had a whole conversation about- <laughs> It's not about, possible that my boyfriend could lie to me. <laughs> or, or that he's lying to her. I didn't even actually throw that one out as a possibility. Maybe he misunderstood. Anyway, well, listen to the story. So I'm like, we talked about her using her hand or using a vibrator while they're having intercourse before, after, whatever. Anyway, she comes the next time and she's like, I have to tell you, I talked to him about it and he looked at me and he said, and he sounds like a sweetheart, he said- I didn't tell you they were having orgasms from intercourse. I said they were having orgasms during intercourse. So they were using their hand or they were like, think about the little changes in language that make all the difference. Oh right. Oh my gosh. So, um, so, so I don't even know how we just went down this particular rabbit hole, but oh, normal, normal. Our ideas of what normal are, are yeah. so shaped by, I don't think it's about people in a room because I think if people could listen to each other and hear about different experiences, you'd find that people would realize how incredibly varied everybody's experience about sex is. I think it's more so I think it's more popular media that mm -hmm. has certain realities like, you know, penis in the vagina creates an orgasm, really. The penis goes in there like a homing pigeon. Nobody actually guides the penis in. There's no wet spot afterwards. <laughs> like it's it's we have these crazy, silly ideas about sex from um from media. Yeah.
were you instilled were you, were you given some shame as a as a young person and and if so how'd you snap out of it so that is a great question um I got zero sex education, like mm-hmm. zero, like less than zero. As a matter of fact, a really funny story I will tell you is that when I was about, I could must have been about 15 and my brother was about 10. I was about five, 10 years. So my father was a biochemist. He was a scientist and um, he he was very interested in us learning like medical stuff. So we, you know, knew about sperms and eggs and all that stuff, but he, they, we got no sex education. So I remember this one day, this is just a classic story. I was walking, we were walking across the street with my family we weren't heading off to a pool. And my brother says to my father, well, how does the sperm get to the egg, right? And my father has this look on his eyes like a deer in headlights. Like it was like, it was like, it was the worst question he could have asked. <laughs> and my father starts fumbling a little and he goes, well, you, you can kind of figure this out. Think like two test tubes. How would you get from one, one, one product into another product? Like you just like pour from one test tube into the other. My brother looks, 10 year old brother looks totally befuddled, but has no idea what's going on. And I'm like, I cannot believe I'm hearing this, right? So off I walked to my brother's room that night after we went to bed. And I said, listen, here, I'm going to tell you how you get, a, you know, penis and the vagina, how you have get a sperm and egg together. It's like a penis in the vagina. I felt like I needed to tell him. I was 15. How I got to the point where, so here is a great story. I was in fifth grade. Am I talking too much? No, no, no. I was so at fifteen. At fifteen, you I was were able already to in a good spot. Yeah, I was. Well, I wouldn't say I'm in a good spot. Okay, okay. But I would say I knew. I knew what I was talking about. <laughs> but I was, and I was able to talk to my younger brother. Okay. So that's a that's not a bad spot. That's but that's not, pretty good. Yeah. Okay. So I'll tell you an, a story when I was eighteen to show you the bad spot I was in. But um, this is a better story. I was in fifth grade. So what are you, eleven or twelve? And I'm sitting in class, and the teacher said we're learning Bible. Right, we had Bible and we had prophets every day, and somebody got pregnant in the Bible. Bible, I mean, are you with Bible studies? I was in a Jewish day school. I was in Jewish day school. Okay, and so every day we had half of our day was the study of Hebrew, the study of Bible. Do the y'all study call? Of prophets. Do y'all call your book uh, one of the books a Bible too, or? Yeah. Okay. Okay. There's the Bible, and then there's the New Testament, and the Old Testament. Is that what you're asking? Yeah. yeah so yeah. the Jews, the Jews do the Old Testament. Right. I knew we just we don't sh- like to call it the Old Testament because right. that suggests there's a New Testament. Right. But that's fine. <laughs> yeah. The whole uh, Son of God thing exactly. acknowledges that maybe it, it was just, Son of God. We just ignore that part. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no. So we had, but yeah. So the, it's the first, the five books of the Bible and the prophets. So when okay. you consider the Bible, right? We spent a lot of time studying that in elementary school. A mm-hmm. lot of time. Uh the 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 Torah. The Torah. I, I have things written the down. T- Torah, good for you. Yes, it was Torah. It was Bible class. Here it says Torah versus Talmud. I have yes, the the Torah versus the Talmud. I'm happy to give you a lecture on that. So, um, so we're sitting in in Bible class, and the teacher says something about somebody having a baby, and you all know how to have people have baby or something. I don't even remember. And I raised my hand and I said, "Yeah, my father told me you pray to God, and that's how you, that's how you have a baby." Which, to be 100% fair, is not 100% inaccurate because we all like to believe that we can completely control when we have babies and there is some X factor. It doesn't always work out for everybody exactly the way they plan. So there may be something godlike going on there, but that is irrelevant to this conversation. Mm. So the girl behind me, whose name I still remember, Myra Brodsky. How do you remember from fifth grade? Because I was so, starts laughing her head off. And I'm like, she goes like, that's not how you have a baby. So during recess... Myra Brodsky gave me my sex education. So I was really angry because I felt like, you know, I grew up in this house that was really scientific and was really, you know, devoted to intellectual pursuits. And I just really resented the fact that mm-hmm. I did not know what was what. So and it was just in sex where 
all that scientific shit goes out the window. Totally. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. Reproduction, I kind of learned. Like, again, egg, sperm. My father was really into the chromosomes, XX, XY. I could spill that all out to you. But he doesn't want to point on the map where those chromosomes are. Totally. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So uncomfortable with it. It was, it's, it's sort of, it's amusing now looking back. Mm. So, um, and, and the story about that girl, Myra Brodsky, is I was telling that story once about, I don't know, 10 years ago, and my daughter, who was maybe 12 years old, she starts to laugh and she says, Oh my God, Ema, I think I Myra Brodsky to somebody. So I was like, What? She said there was some girl and she was talking about sex and she didn't know anything. And so I explained it all to her. So she said, I think I Myra Brodsky'd her. So I was like, well, thank God she had you to talk to because somebody has to give people accurate information. How proud does that make you? It makes me feel really good. Yeah. It really makes me feel really good. <laughs> so, um, but I can tell you a story when I was 18 to Please. show you how I was not. So, you know, this is, am I going on and on too much? No, this is all, okay. this is what I want to hear. Talking too fast. Do you no, need look, to look I can, I can like, you know, look, I can throw questions at you to explain stuff, but I'm always so much more interested in learning about who I'm talking to. Because right. you know what? Like the other stuff I would want to ask is probably going to fall out at some point anyway. Okay. Like this, so much more interesting. Uh, you yes. got it. So totally. So this is, I think, a great story because it ch- it just goes to everybody's shame, right? Mm. So here I'm, I am 18. I'm at Temple University, um, smart together student. Um, but I feel really like at this point, I pretty much knew like I could tell you a little bit about sex because I had read, you know, I'm not stupid. Like I read, I did research, I kind of understood, had a couple boyfriends, a little self-experimenting, you know, but I walk into the student union, like the student group, whatever, you know, the way the students all hang out at college. And this young woman comes over to me and she said, I'm doing a research study for my psychology course. Do you mind if I interview you? It's about sex. It's about the words we use for sex. And I said, I remember my stomach plummeted and I'm like, oh shit, like I don't know anything. Everybody else here knows more than I do. Everybody else here knows way more than I do. And um, I'm going to, I'm going to look like an idiot. Like that was, but I didn't feel like I could say, no, I don't want to do your survey. Like it just felt like, so I said, ah, sure, sure. She said, okay, I'm just going to use words. I'm going to throw out words for like a body part. And then you're going to tell me the words that you use for it. So like, for example, if I say penis, like, do you, do you say dick? Do you say cock? Like, what are the words that you use for that? And so I'm like so nervous and I think, okay, well, worse comes to worse. If I don't know what she's talking about, I'll just say the word back to her, right? Like, so if she says penis, I'll say, if I don't feel like I know what that is, I'll just say penis. So she says penis, she says vagina, she says clitoris, I don't know, she says thing. And then she says mammary glands. And I was just so like nervous and like uptight and you know, that for a second, I forgot what mammary, like I didn't realize <laughs> she meant breasts or boobs or whatever. So I said, oh, mammary glands and she looked at me and she goes you call them mammary glands and i was so like wired and befuddled i was like yes i went to a very scientific high school and then she looked at gave me the craziest look stopped the questionnaire and i closed my book bag walked out of there and did not go back to the student union building for like months because i was too embarrassed i might bump into another thousands so that was a perfect example of where I was probably as knowledgeable as I needed to be or mm-hmm. whatever, but I felt so much shame about my lack of knowledge and mm-hmm. so insecure about it that I couldn't function like a normal human being. And so that was, I wasn't so okay is sure. my point. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, then when did you shake all that off? I mean, it sounds like the shame, and correct me if I'm wrong, it didn't sound like you had sh- a lot of shame about not sex. Not knowing. But just not knowing. Correct. Okay. I think my shame was much more about not knowing, mm-hmm. which is interesting. It wasn't so much about sex. I have a kind of an unusual, I'm going to tell you that I think that to a certain degree, kids experiment based largely on their hormone levels. Mm-hmm. So I can have two Catholic girl patients and they grew up in exactly the same home and they had this exactly same restrictions and they were both told you're not supposed to be involved with boys before you get married or before you're serious. And one of them will be a good girl and stay at home and do all the things she's supposed to do. And the other one will be climbing out her window to go hook up with guys. And the question is, what is the difference there? And I think some there's probably numbers of difference, but one also is some of our interest in sex is innate, mm-hmm. is hormonal. Like there's some kids that are just more interested in sex than other kids. And I think some of that is physiological. That's how we probably get to asexual people who are probably not just, you know, they, they probably just naturally Less asexual. Less interested, yeah. right. And I, so I think a lot, a lot more research has to be done, but it wouldn't surprise me if in the end we find that those people have less sex hormones than other people do, which mm-hmm. is totally fine. Anyway, I think I was naturally pretty interested in sex. So, um... I kind of started fooling around pretty young. Mm. I read a lot. I felt really confident in my intellectual ability. So I spent a lot of time reading. And I think I started getting more and more confident. And honestly, I was so much better informed than most of my other Orthodox friends right. that all of a sudden I became the the expert, right? right? So that sort of helps your shame sort of goes away. And I talked about it a lot back to what we're talking about like i just talked about it all the time and and how how were you able to avoid religion messing with that especially like it's not like you were it, you weren't you weren't it like it did a, mess like, with it it did of course it messed with it i mean i look my husband who we've been married for many years like 35 years we met when we were 18 mm-hmm. um we got engaged when we were i was 20 21 so got married around then also mm-hmm. um you can do a lot of learning and experimenting on your own when you're a teenager and you're interested in sex. And I think that we did. (laughs) Do I mean? Like, I think like there is something about the safety of a loving primary relationship that makes it a good way to like learn about sex. And I think that you stop feeling, um, I think we both were very, very religiously committed and, religion was a really important of our life and you just i think in a lot of religions this is the case you just kind of bifurcate between like what you're doing sexually and what you're doing religiously you mm-hmm. kind of have a little bit of and i see that a lot with teenagers and young adults in religious communities um and you know there's so many restrictions is that kind of that bifurcation sex. is that kind of like a double think mm, define what you mean by double think like um well, I guess maybe not. I was thinking more like the like nineteen eighty four double think. Like we like we're doing the sex stuff that we know we shouldn't be doing, but we're gonna forget in this moment that we shouldn't be doing it, and we're gonna enjoy it, and we're not in this moment. We forget that we did that thing over there until we do it again. So I don't. I think there are people who do that, and okay. it's very worrisome when they do that because they don't use protection when they're having intercourse. And I speak about that a lot in the religious community. Like if you're gonna be having intercourse or you're gonna be having oral sex, whatever you're gonna be doing, own it so that you can use the proper protection. If you keep stumbling into it and telling yourself it's never gonna happen again, you're it, it's gonna only come back to haunt you. So that's a bad way to approach it. Mm-hmm. I think this is more about, I think this is more about, um, look, th- I can't do everything. I'm not gonna be 100% 
correct in everything I'm doing. This is one area of my life where I'm straying. And um, and when I get married, it will be all better. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like it sort of does, you know, Judaism gives you that catch all, right? Because once you're married, you're allowed to have sex and good. you're encouraged to have good sex. Mm-hmm doesn't always get translated that way, but that's theoretically the way it should be. So um, so I think, you know, for for me, but I think for many, many young religious kids, it's like, okay, this is a short period of time. We're going to kind of do what we need to do, and it will be different once we get married. Now, you do have to understand that Orthodox Judaism has so many interesting complications on sex within marriage also. This is what I hear. And then I, as I was uh, learning this morning uh, (laughs) with the Talmud, which this is how it's described to me, that the Talmud is like a conversation of a lot of different voices kind of debating different topics. Right. right? So the Talmud probably has like a whole massive area that's talking about sex and the do's and don'ts and and all that jazz. Books and books and books and books. Right, Jewish law starts, so the, the Bible is sort of a springboard. Nothing really comes from the Bible. No mm. Jewish law actually, I mean, theoretically it comes from the Bible, but the, your friend taught you well. So the Talmud was a compilation of discussions about rabbis, about Jewish law. Mm. It's 20 volumes, 20 massive volumes. A, a whole bunch of those volumes are about, are about sex. Oh. And um, I, I can show you before you leave. I have a whole bookcase of... There's 20 volumes of, you know, and um, because my husband spends a lot of time studying. It sounds like there's no consent. I mean, sometimes there's a consensus on a topic, but that like you might have to pick like, I'm going to go with what that rabbi said, but not what this one said. So we do that, but not so much from the Talmud. So the Talmud comes out with a few consensus, like usually some level of consensus. Um, Then there's a whole, then there's hundreds and thousands of additional volumes that are being written by rabbis through the ages talking about what the right decision is using these. Talmudic discussions, mm-hmm. right? And so, yes. So for any, like I joke around now, like for any any one thing right now, you have 10 rabbis, there's going to be at least eight opinions, at least eight <laughs> opinions. Um, and that is true about sex as well. Now, there's going to be certain things that everybody's going to say, not okay. Absolutely, 100% not okay. There's an example or two of that. Extramarital. If you're married, you know, having sex with somebody other than your partner. Mm-hmm. Not okay by Jewish law. I don't think there's anybody who considers themselves bound by Jewish law who would suggest that that would be the case. Although one could argue you could set up a situation like a concubine, which would be sort of setting up a very specific situation, but that's, we could, oh my God, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> I do a whole podcast on exactly this question. It's called The Joy of Text. I do it with a rabbi. Once a month, we sit down and we struggle with masturbation. Like what does Jewish law say about masturbation? What are the different perceptions on it? Masturbation for men, masturbation for women, fantasizing, pornography, extramarital relationships. Um, it was funny because I was on somebody's podcast and they were like, it seems like you guys end up saying everything's okay. And I was like, well, we haven't said extramarital relationships are okay because really that would be really impossible to say. So, um, but, so, but there's a whole, whole section of law about once you're married, when you start menst- when. Once you when you start menstruating, nida, nida. Oh, you mm. rock that nida. Mm. Yeah, it means separation. Nida means separation. I was a good student. Nida, you did all this this morning with your friend uh, over the last couple of weeks. Oh my god, uh, it was here and there. I was look, I didn't want to uh, fuck up with Bachev and Marcus. You know, it's you right. Know, it's, yes, yes, yes. Okay, yes. Hilchot nida, the laws of nida, the laws of separation. So by Jewish law, from the time you start menstruating, you separate, and that could mean not definitely not having sex, but it usually also means not touching. 
touching, not sleeping in the same bed for approximately 12 days. What sects of Judaism like go that sex. hardcore? S-E-C-T-S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Orthodox Judaism. Okay. And so like at what level? I would even say conservative Judaism may have pieces of it. They may use pieces of it. But, you know, but even within Orthodox Judaism, there's a huge range. But yeah, technically for the first five days that you're bleeding, no contact and then seven what are called clean days where you do internal exams to make sure there's no blood the end of those seven days assuming you've been you know no blood yeah. for seven days then you go to the mikvah which is a ritual bath um every orthodox community has a ritual bath it's really cool um it's a little little tiny pool that's connected to rainwater it has to be built in a very specific way it's very expensive to build it um it usually has like these little spa rooms connected to it um you go in, you dunk. Some people dunk twice, some people three times. You have a, somebody watching to make sure you're totally under, a mm. woman who watches, the mikvah lady. Um, and then that's you go, a gig. That's a gig. That's it's a, gig. a total gig. And it's like- a, On the weekends, I, I moonlight as, as a, like mikvah. a mikvah. lady. Yes, yes. You're wrong gender. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that's fine. And um, and she, um, and then you go back and go back to having a sexual relationship with your partner. Mm. So- What's interesting about that is some people do not have any contact at all. Some people will hold hands. Some people will sleep in the same bed. But technically, you're not supposed to be in the same bed. You're not supposed to be touching each other. Um, Obviously, the advent of being able to use birth control pills on a regular, ongoing, rotating basis has made a huge difference, right? Because when I got married, it was 12 days on, 12 days off, or whatever, 12 days off, 16 days on, or 20 days on, 12 days off. That's hard. Can you imagine when you're first married? That's like freaking hard every day you wake up you start counting on your fingers like what, what how are many days on? are left <laughs> yeah, like, how are many on? days are left yes <laughs> but it's like how do you how do you go through that's all just probably a sliver of stuff that has to do with menstruation how do you nitpick through each thing to decide like how you feel about incorporating that into your life and faith so usually in the orthodox community it's made an assumption that you'll do something a certain way and then if you're having problems with it you and your partner and or your rabbi will try to figure out a solution that will work better for you mm-hmm. or you go talk to you know everybody every couple before they get married you used to be just women would go to a kala teacher did your friend tell you about that I did not get that a kala one. teacher so a kala teacher is a bridal teacher mm. Did you watch the series Unorthodox? I have not, but I've heard good things, and I watched you talk about it for a little bit. Okay, that's great. Okay, so I'm telling you, when that series came out, I must have gotten, I don't know, 100 emails, because it was the intersection of vaginismus, which I do professionally, and Orthodox Judaism, which I do not professionally. (laughs) So... um, so anyway, because there they had a college teacher. So that's somebody, a woman who meets with you before you're married to teach you all the laws because they're really complicated. Right. Um, but it and, doesn't even sound like there's like a full consensus of each little law. It sounds like correct. there are things you... So like my friend um, and I met via a glory hole I have. Okay. Because it's a pandemic and that's what the New York City Department of Health told me to do. I'm a good boy. I okay, follow the rules. Okay, good for you. Right, so. <laughs> she's modern orthodox and she we had a phone call about it once like maybe a few times after and she was like she had she like she has her own internal struggle debate i asked her if i could bring this up uh because i want to get your thoughts on it so she's like i had she had to go through her own well you're not mentioning her name so i think she's safe yeah yeah but But good for you whoever you are for thinking about these things yeah well just the (laughs) idea of like she's trying to go through like she doesn't have penis and vagina sex but she's like maybe okay with blowjobs but the sheet it makes things maybe different and so it seemed very tiring just for one woman to figure out after reading all this stuff what she's gonna take from it right you know what for I mean? the jewish law because the jewish how she so look 
your friend is an unusual position, right? Most Orthodox women who are worried about these laws mm -hmm. are getting into much more traditional relationships and traditional sex lives, right? Mm -hmm. They're they're dating, they're getting into some kind of relationship they, who they may or may not marry, they marry, and then they have these monogamous relationships. Most women who have decided to hook up with people, you know, have sex with multiple partners, um, you know, have polyamorous relationships, most of those women aren't really worried about the Jewish laws. So your friend's standing in a very interesting nexus. Yeah, I think so. And she should definitely check out my podcast. I, and she should write questions in, because yeah. I'm happy to hear them. Somebody wrote to us about kink, and we were, I'll tell you, that was very funny. Well, on our podcast, somebody wrote in, uh, to see what you think about this, somebody Please. wrote in saying, um, my husband and I are really into kink, but on Shabbat, on the Sabbath, you're not really supposed to tie knots. So, or sometimes when he hits me, he leaves a mark, and that's also really not allowed on Shabbat. Is that, is that the differentiation? Like, you can't leave the mark? Yeah. I didn't know that. The, the not one made sense to me. I didn't. So, um, so when it came in, this was actually a funny story. This is like, whatever. I haven't told this story much. I was like, oh, please. I said, this person's just yanking our chains. Like, this is just like ridiculous. And then my husband turned to me and he said, you know, you're being so non-true to who, what you usually, you usually talk about the fact that all of these, all of these concerns are real concerns. And, um, you know, poo-pooing that somebody who's this involved in kink could possibly be this, you know, fastidious about Shabbat. Because these were like little Shabbat rules. Yeah. These are not big. This is not like turning on the stove or turning on a light. Like those feel like much bigger Shabbat rules. We're like really it, zooming in. Exactly. Yeah. Like not tying a knot. Not that many people are. So could that person be that into kink and that into the knot? Like, and my husband said, you know what? It's really unfair of you to make assumptions about people. And I was like, you go. You're 100% right. And so we did an episode on it. We did a whole episode and we did a lot of conversations about all the things they asked. And um, and then we immediately, the day after, got a reaction from somebody saying, I wrote that question and I want you to know that how much I appreciate it was not a joke question. We were 100% serious. And I was like, that, I feel like I learned a lesson from that. I really, so your friend who's standing in this nexus of like a sort of a wider idea of what sex is. And also asking, what does religion want from me? And what, mm -hmm. what, what values am I supposed to be taking for religion? She's like awesome. I don't know who she is, but she's awesome. I, you think so? I think she's, I think she's, I think she's pretty great. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm so glad to hear that. And uh, she, uh, she should check out the Joy of Text yeah. podcast. I think she'd like it. It's a real interesting example because years back, I had on one of my uh, like ex-partners on the show and she was very promiscuous when I met her. Right. Uh, years later, she found Jesus. She wasn't uh, born again because she wasn't even really raised with it. So she found Jesus, and I guess he was in Texas, and she like got really into it. She found she's, Jesus in Texas? Yes, I love she, it. In, in, That's so <laughs> interesting to know that he's there. Anybody listening, if you go to Texas, there's Jesus. Okay, go on. Uh, and she met a, a fellow in a similar position as her. So they were both not virgins. Uh, they both started wanting to save sex for marriage. But he save was, wait save intercourse from marriage. Save intercourse. I think it extended to all any like, orgasms. Sex. I, I forget if it was How do you all orgasms. It? Okay. Yeah, I, I think I had asked. But I anyway, think, I'm I, just pushing you because I, no, I this is where I push. Okay, I don't like, I like it when people pushed. equate. I don't like <laughs> good. I don't like when people equate orgasm, um, uh, intercourse, and sex. That really pisses me off. So I am trying to get better at that. And I, I know. I'm and yeah, I'm yeah. and now I'm just. No, you're Joking. good. Okay, no, go on. All right, keep I going. Don't, anyway, I don't feel guilty about so she found person. Jesus. She, <laughs> she found Jesus, and the other guy who found Jesus, and they're together, and they're um, they're engaged, but they're dating. But he was very kinky in his pre-Jesus life. Okay, and they kind of talked about it, and they decided like 
we don't think that I was like, you found the kink loophole. You're not going to have sex before marriage, but you're going to like tie her up onto the St. Oh, Andrew's cross. The, and then you, th- th- this oh, oh, doesn't this count. Pri- this is prior to marriage. <laughs> this is all prior I to marriage. I had that with an Orthodox woman too, because mm-hmm. you're not always supposed to touch each other before you're married. Flogger and ain't she, Exactly. Exactly. It was the kink loophole. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> I thought where you were going with this was that they were going to get married and have this great kinky relationship. Oh, and that, no. and, th- and that would be fine. Like, I was curious if actually yeah, yeah. that would be fine. Like, I don't know what Christianity says about kink relationships, but in Judaism, I would argue, although I know that there'd be people who disagree sure. with me that once you're in a long-term monogamous relationship, you can do anything you want. Sure. And hey, uh, you know, Catholics love to just pick and choose things. Right. Like, no sex before marriage, but like anal's okay. Like right. what? Is really? That, is that true? Really? really? People say that? Oh, oh my God. Ma'am, there's, a, there's like a epidemic for many decades of like fundamental Christians who have anal sex because they don't think that's Jesus's whole. Because if there's that, the, per- you can't see because the podcast. But I'm looking at him like he's crazy. Yes, okay. I think they're crazy too. Uh, like that's, the- no, I. Oh my god, well, that's a great. Okay, it's, it's good like for you're, me to know because, like, if that if the if the guy's real and the rule is real and the right. rule is you can't fuck before marriage, do you right. really think they're approving of anal? Correct. Or did they just not like. What's well, the letter of the law down? versus the spirit of the law question? Yeah. is what we're talking about. Well, anyway, do yeah. You, I mean, do you get clients who really obsess over that spirit of the law versus letter of the law? Oh. Yes, and definitely. How, and how well, the, work, the, the client who was doing kink because right. she. I guess the question is like, how do you work through that, regardless of what religion you're in? If you're if you're a Muslim or or whatever religion, how do you? I'm not work sure through? it's always my job to work through it with them, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm trying to solve a problem for them. Gotcha. So if this works for them, like I'm not going to tell them. I I'm not trying to convince them to see religion ideologically the way uh-huh. I see it. I, you know, this person who came in with the kink thing, she was trying to figure out whether she was gay or straight. That's what we worked on. Mm-hmm. If she felt, if the kink thing solved her religious problem for her, that's fine. I am not, I'm not, a, I'm not functioning as a rabbi here. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also saw that you like might be like pro monogamy. I think I saw you say, oh how God. dare you? I think yes. you said positive things about monogamy. I know. Like, isn't that a chutzpah? <laughs> like, can you believe that? So I want to be really clear for anybody who's listening. I'm pro monogamy in a philosophical way as a that choice. doesn't as a choice exactly and i feel like we don't get a lot of support so i feel like monogamous people often do not get a lot of support in our current day and age mm-hmm. that is not to say that i don't think if somebody comes to me and they're in a poly relationship or if somebody comes to me and they're in a i don't know they're swinging uh the lifestyle um whatever they are um i'm going to support whatever it is they choose to do but i also feel like monogamy is pretty damn hard and if that's a choice that you're making that needs to be supported and um i feel like yeah i feel like i have a lot to say about that because i feel like women really struggle with monogamy and we don't give them space to do that we think it's easier for women than it is for men and i actually don't think that's true what's one of your your bigger tips for people struggling with monogamy who want it who understand that right so i feel like so i'm going to talk about women for a second because i feel like we have this popular cultural, you know, concept that monogamy is really, really hard for men who really like to like screw around with lots of people, but women are fine with monogamy. And I think it's actually, the data suggests that it's harder for women. And what happens is men are allowed to express their frustration. So they're like, they can whine about it. They can complain about it. They can fantasize, watch erotica, watch porn. Women aren't really feeling like they give themselves permission to do any of those things. And so they just shut down. And then what happens is we all say, oh, women have lower desire. Well, I'm not sure that's true. I think women just maybe have lower desire for their partner, 
but they might still be fantasizing about the firemen up the block. Yeah. So I feel like there's so many things you can do. There's, um, I feel like fantasies, first of all, I think just giving yourself permission, like just knowing that you're not crazy and that you love this person and you want to build a life with this person and you want to keep having sex with this person, but you don't have to be thinking about this person all the time, which so many women feel like it's cheating if they're thinking about somebody else. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Like you think you're going to be thinking about this person for for all the time for the rest of your life? Like I can't think of anything more dull. I also would lose my sex drive if that's where, you know, <laughs> if that's where we were going. So I think some of it has to do with learning to play with your partner, mm. being able to be open with your partner, being able to be willing to use your brain to like use erotica and porn when it's you need it and not feel bad about it. Like feel like all of that is in service of this primary relationship that you want to maintain. What, what, when you uh, have a client who... How did you hear I was pro-monogamy? <laughs> uh, that I was reading the tablet uh, Oh, article, the tablet article, Which was yes, also right. hilarious when you were saying... What did I say? I, I, you said someone compared you to Esther Perel and you were like, oh, she's just hot. Well, I didn't say she's just hot. Sorry, I said sorry, she's so, just oh, really hot. Oh, you know, you know, whatever. She, as opposed to me. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm this old granny. Oh, <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, I have no... Uh, trust me. I have no... I, I'm, so, I'm so amused that you found that so funny. Tell me why. Um, because it, 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 it had because she is really hot. Uh, I, I would agree. Uh, there you go. <laughs> I not knowing you yet, uh, it gave me a sense for your vibe, right? Uh, and I, I just had like a video in my head of just like you going like she's she's just really hot, <laughs> right? She. So it's so funny because I I do have this thing about I want um they're aspirational sex therapists who, who are like very like very hot. I don't know how else to describe it or very, very seductive mm -hmm. in who they are. And, um, I think that's great. I also think that I don't want women to be intimidated and that's just not who I am. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like I never want anybody to feel like, I, I feel like when you talk to me and you can tell me if you're wrong, if I can do it, anybody can do it kind of like I'm a granny. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm a, a, in the best possible mm -hmm. way you're making a face, but I just think grannies can be sexy. And do you know what I mean? Like, I agree every with that. everyday yeah. women, everyday women can be hot and sexy too. Um, that's all. Oh. I, I just I need to defend that position there. Like, I, I think that is more than fine position. I don't know that I am comfortable re responding without accidentally putting my foot in my mouth. But. Oh, okay, that's fine. Okay, you can do that after the microphone's <laughs> off. Sure, I'm sure. dying to hear. Okay. <laughs> um, but being the the self described granny that you are, it sounds like you're like you are incredibly progressive. Uh, how how have you had have you felt like you've had to kind of deal with like evolving on issues that have changed over the decades since you've been in practice? Oh my god! So yes, and is that tough for you? So that's it, so it's not tough because it happened so gradually. Mm -hmm. Um, I I feel like the the progressive. I may be progressive. I don't know. I don't know that I would say that I'm progressive. I would say I'm non judgmental. Mm -hmm. Right? Like I feel like I really and truly really believe that people should be able to make their own choices about this. I feel mm -hmm. like that's the only way we're going to have happy people. So, um, and I feel like as things have developed around me in society, I have, like, when I grew up, there were no gay people. Nobody was gay. There was no such a thing. Like, I was seriously no joke. Like, there weren't, there weren't gay people. Like, it just didn't exist. That, as, a, my, as a concept, that was like, in my world, that, yeah. like, if you had said to me, are there gay people? I would have said, I guess somewhere there maybe are some gay people. That that seriously was my, mm. right. And then in my 20s and 30s, all of a sudden, like there were more and more people coming out. So, you know, I, I do feel like um, things things have changed over the years while I've been a sex therapist in all kinds of interesting ways. And I, you know, 
but in certain ways they haven't changed that much either. Like we talk a lot about women's empowerment and women feeling more comfortable and confident about their sexuality. And then I see teenage girls who are like doing things with boys that they're just not comfortable doing um, and doing them just because they feel like they should. And I wonder if we've made any changes at all. Mm. I do think one thing that I think is really cool that's happened is we're losing this binary about being gay and straight. Like Mm. I feel like more and more I'm seeing people who are just being attracted to people. And I, wonder if that's not a better way for us all to live is that a way you feel as well even if you didn't necessarily have the vocab for it back then i think i don't think i would even have been able to articulate that to you Mm -hmm. right like people were straight then i started realizing people were straight and people were gay then then i then you know then i started realizing oh well there are people who are bi then i started seeing these slices getting thinner and thinner and thinner like i'm only into you know and i'm like wait can we just drop all the labels and have people just be who they want to be with? And I've seen more and more like, you know, I have this friend who's a young woman who I, you know, I saw her like six months ago and she said something about the woman she was dating. And I started laughing and I'm like, okay, when did the women thing start? Because last I knew you were just dating men. She said, it wasn't working out so great with the men. So I decided to start, you know, trying to include women. And I thought like, go you like, you know, I, I feel like, in the end, I really do believe we're going to be attracted to different people. And sometimes those people will be women and sometimes it'll be men. And if we just drop all the labels, we'd all be happier. Yeah. But, and, but like, for example, like I, you know, I pick up on little things. You, you dropped a, like, uh, women, female identifying people at one point. Right. So like you have that type of stuff in your voc, in your vocabulary right. and you're not saying it in like a mocking way. So I imagine that over the decades you've like been having to yes. learn things and then add them both to your personal understanding, but also your practice. Right. So, so I think that happens really gradually. Like, like I how, read, how do you adapt I listen. to like poly people coming in or non people who want to be non-monogamous? So I, when, when I, I did my PhD, I did my PhD in human sexuality. Mm-hmm. I did it in this crazy funky place. Dissertation called, on vibrators. Yes, I did a dissertation <laughs> on vibrators. Yes. When I did, I truly did a dissertation on the vibrator used by women. See, I, and, and then when I did it, which was 18 years ago, I didn't say people who identify as women. Sure. I might have do that now. It was in the vote. It was in the, the, the vocabulary. Yeah. But it was a funky place. It was called the Institute for Advanced Study of Human Sexuality. It was in California and San Francisco. Like where, where else? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And um, well, I have to just tell you, and when I went back for my graduation, my husband went, came with me and he was like laughing because it was this building and it had dildos. It had all this erotica from all over the world. And yeah. he turns to me at one point. He goes, I have to dive in. Like, I have to go pray the afternoon prayers. I can't do it in this building. I'll go out to the street. I was like, see you in a little while, sweetie. <laughs> anyway, um, it was this crazy wild place and um, I loved it. I, I, I felt like that opened me up more than almost anything else did. I just was exposed to sex workers and people who were involved in parties at that point that was called swinging mm-hmm. Um um, you know, lots of different kinds of porn. It just, I feel like once you open up and become non-judgmental, you just start listening. You listen, you read, you talk. And these ideas sort of, it's not like one day somebody says, oh, you should be saying, you know, people who identify as women. But there was somebody in my class who was transgender and I got to know him very well and I heard his story. And this was 20 years ago or 18 years ago. And it just changed the way I thought about it. So I think it happens very organically if you're in, mm. in, in the world. Well, you seem to be adapting and and and, and dipping and dodging right. with it quite well. I'm trying. I'm trying, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Um. I I know we're we're approaching before I ask you uh, about about your book and and where people can find you. We're approaching kind of that time, and I wanted to ask if you have it in you uh, after we do the plugs. If um, 
you have like maybe another 10 minutes to do a little bonus episode just with my friends, like very Jewish questions. Absolutely. <clears throat> we'll do question uh, <laughs> and answers, Jewish question and answers. Yeah, it'll be like okay. a speed round. Okay, you cool. Gotta. Well, for now, you have, a, you have a book out called Sex Points. Would you like to tell us a little bit about it and then where people can find you? Okay, so Sex Points is a book intended for women or people who identify as women. And um, there there you go. Um, And basically it runs through all the problems that can crop up in your sex life, low desire, pain, problems with arousal, problems with orgasm. It helps you kind of identify them, understand how they interact with each other. It's it's opens with a quiz, little Cosmo quiz there. Um, And then it's almost like choose your own adventure. Like Mm -hmm. if you end up with points, your low points in this area, Try, you know, chapter 8, 12, and 15 if you end up with low points. So it should be a really easy, fun, easy breezy kind of read. And I think for most women who just go, women just feel broken often. They Mm. feel like they don't know what's wrong with them. Their sex life's not working for them. They don't really want to think about it. I feel like this is just a great way to kind of get your mojo back. And you can get that book. You can get by the book. First of all, you can go to my website, Dr. Bacheva, Dr. Bacheva. That's what I am on social media as well. You can find me on Instagram as we talked about. Don't look for me on TikTok. Um, Insta- I'm on Instagram and I'm on Facebook, and um, but Instagram's the best place. And soon to be Clubhouse. Um, and um, and the book is you can go for my website. You can go to um, Amazon. You can go to Barnes and Nobles. You got your indie book. I have a link in the show notes for everybody. A link in the show notes. I love. Please in- buy I love a book. Indie Bound. In- you yes. know Indie Bound. No. Indie Bound. They just uh, you search the book on their site. They find you like a local independent bookstore. Oh, that's amazing. To, ship it to you instead of Amazon. Oh my that's god. That's I start linking to. That's now. amazing. Okay, good. Yeah. All right. Well, there. Any of those places will yeah. have the book. Fabulous, fabulous. Well, um, thank you so much for your time for for chatting with us, Patreon people. You'll hear the uh, the bonus tomorrow. But why don't you go ahead and say goodbye to everybody? This was so much fun, Billy. Thank you for coming up here. And um and uh, goodbye. It was great, and we'll do it again sometime. <laughs> Uh, she was great. Check us out on the socials. There will be a link in the show notes, uh, including to her book, Sex Points. Uh, but I want to say it's been it's been seven years now. It's uh, it's been seven years coming to you every Wednesday or whatever day of the week you like to listen to, because uh, this is the podcast and medium. You've got a dope agency. Uh, please join me in celebrating seven years of sex positive podcasting, uh, you know, whenever you hear this and share the show, uh, please share it. Don't just share it privately with your friends amongst group chats, share it on your social media. I promise you will not lose your job for sharing the man whore podcast on Facebook. At most, all of your friends are secretly going to think you are so fucking cool. So uh, do please do that. And also, if you like to listen on Apple Podcasts, uh, I don't do this often, but if you could go leave me a, you know, a five-star rating, leave a review, let people know why they should check out the show. And if you don't think they should check out the show, I, you know, I think you should write it on a piece of paper and put it in a drawer in your desk and then just like leave it there. <laughs> uh, thanks, everybody, for an amazing seven years. Uh, you know, uh, I've got a link in the show notes if you're a tipping type. You know, I've got my, I always have my Venmo and my Cash App and my PayPal in uh, the show notes. You all know about the Patreon, patreon.com slash manwordpodcast. Uh, if you want to show your gratification by like sliding $100 into my waistband and looking at my cock, well, then you can go to onlyfans.com slash callmebilly. Uh, I, I've just, I feel a lot of gratitude these days, and uh, each and every one of you are, are big parts of that. So thanks for always keeping me going and moving, and here's to another... Who knows how many years of, uh, of fun shit, everybody.
Like I like I came on mic last week. Who's doing that? Stay slutty. It's the vibrator that has no equal. And now Motor Bunny offers their thrusting sex machine, the Motor Bunny Buck. Enjoy a fan whore discount at manhorpod.com slash motorbunny or use promo code manhor at checkout. <laughs>